God, as we come to you in his precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 23. <clears throat> uh, Luke chapter chapter 23. You know, when we gather around someone who is passing away, a loved one, and that doesn't always happen because they may pass during the night or when no one's around or what have you. But sometimes in God's mercy, He allows us to be there when they pass away. Amen. And uh, as, as with y'all, you got to sing Amazing Grace uh, to Peachy. And that, uh, that really moved me. And, uh, but sometimes, you know, we gather around and we're always hoping that, uh, and that we might hear something from them. Some... Uh, bitter words that that uh, that we can treasure, like "I love you" and uh, "I'll see you in heaven" or something like that. But you know what we have here before us: the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. You know what? He never wasted words. <laughs> he never said anything vainly or or because there wasn't meaning behind it. And so. As he hung on the cross, we can treasure these words as we would treasure the words of a loved one. And so in, in, in Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 26 through 37, when they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country and placed, him, and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And following him was a large crowd of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wounds that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also who were criminals, were being led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him and coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Again, may God bless to our hearts uh, the reading of this portion of his holy inspired word. That's quick and powerful. And it speaks to me every day. What marvelous love, isn't it? To pray, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he was hanging there, or even possibly while he was even being nailed to the cross. 
May we, as his children, really understand and take to heart what he was saying here. That it won't be just words, that it won't be just something that that has no meaning to us, but it might grip us and that we might just have a glimpse of the suffering that he went through. We see in this prayer of his, uh, the setting of the prayer, first of all, and I, I pray this, this whole week as it leads up to uh, Sunday, uh, the Resurrection Day, and every, every Sunday is Resurrection Day, never forget that, and where we come and, and rejoice of his resurrection and, and ours in the future. But of course, Easter is a special time when we really do focus on the resurrection, his resurrection. But uh, in this setting, I want us to remember some things that he went through leading up to what he went through. Just remember, he had been rejected by his own people. He had been betrayed by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. His friends had left him and run away, and he was all alone. He had been mocked and made fun of. He was falsely accused and turned over for punishment by Pilate who could find no fault in him. He was mocked by Herod, a curiosity seeker who wanted to see a miracle for entertainment purposes. He had been beaten and spit upon. Barabbas, a murderer, was released instead of him, who had done nothing wrong. Isaiah 53 says, There was no deceit found in his mouth. He was crowned with a crown of thorns as they mocked him and put a scarlet robe on him. He had to carry his own cross at first until Simon, as we read this morning, carried it for him. He was put through one of the most painful forms of capital capital punishment that man ever devised. And my friends, we can't even imagine the pain that those who were crucified went through. Why do I say that? Roman citizens could not be put to death by crucifixion. That's how horrible it was. It was only reserved for slaves and the worst of criminals. And again, this saying was, probably made, this prayer that he made was probably while he was being nailed or actually while he was being lifted up on the cross. But again, the physical suffering that he went through is not really graphically talked about in Scripture. Now we know what he went through, but you really get that from history as you study uh, the recordings of what other people went through who were crucified on the cross. It's not really stressed in the gospel. We have to learn it from history. But the physical suffering is nothing compared to the spiritual suffering that Jesus went through. That we cannot even comprehend. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We cannot even comprehend that. And yet we need to understand that he was 
forsaken that we might not be forsaken. The great I am, the great I am became sin for us who knew no sin. Did I, you know. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. He took our sin and we got his righteousness. As I said yesterday, wow, what a Savior. Amen. What a Savior we have. The great I am who would die for us. Also, history tells us that many of the criminals being crucified would curse the spectators who were standing out before them. He would, he would uh, 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 yell and scream and curse at them. And they would do that back to him because probably many of these being crucified had maybe murdered one of their own or something. And so you got, it was a public, it was a public uh, crucifixion. And so there was a, a lot of cursing and goings on at these crucifixions. But what do these spectators hear from our Savior? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. They get a prayer, a prayer. It's interesting in these seven sayings of Christ on the cross, the first saying is a prayer. The fourth saying is a prayer, and it ends. The seventh saying is also a prayer. It's interesting, too, in these prayers in the Greek that you don't really get in the English is the intensity that we find here. The idea is when he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do, it means that he kept saying that, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He kept saying, forgive them, as he was hanging there. The intensity, the intensity of what he was saying, as they mocked him now, as they mocked him, and this is a lesson for us, do you pray for others? who mock you, who make fun of you, when times get tough, when others reject you, when you may be going through something very uh, very painful, do we pray for our enemies? I mean, this is something that I have to uh, ask myself. Amazing yesterday, and this is the illustration I was going to tell you about. Yesterday, amazingly, this girl comes into the to the shop, and sometimes while I'm waiting on customers and all, I'll, I'll take my Bible out there and and go over what I'm going to say. And uh, he, she comes in, and she's a Christian, and she said, uh, "What are you uh, studying there?" And I and I told her I was preaching on on the uh, uh, forgive them for they know not what they do. And she she almost came to tears, and she said, "Oh my gosh." I was just thinking of that driving down here because some of my friends, some of my friends treated me wrongly. And uh, she says, I, I, I can't forgive them. I'm holding that in. I can't forgive them. And she says, oh, my gosh, the fact that you are preaching on that. And Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And she says, these aren't believers. And, and she said, oh, my gosh. Now, if that's not God, 
<laughs> it was just amazing. It was just absolutely amazing that God would orchestrate that. And it all came from Janine saying, would you consider preaching on something else? You better be, you know, when you tell somebody or ask something from somebody, there are results that come from that. And, and, and so be sensitive to the moving of God's spirit. But anyway, we see his concern on the cross was not for himself. What do you do when you're going through pain and suffering? And, and this really is what we're dealing with in Romans, so I'm not really left the, the topic. But when you're going through suffering and people are yelling at you and, and, and uh, you're down and, and you're hurting, you've been mistreated or misunderstood, who do we usually think about? Totally. Totally. In Jesus, totally thinks of others. It's just amazing love. It's amazing love. It's amazing. And then we see, secondly, the, the people that he prays for. He prays for his enemies. The only person who doesn't have to pray for forgiveness for himself, who never sinned, is praying for others. He is praying for those who are responsible for him dying on the cross. What amazing love. They were crying, crucify him, crucify him. And he was praying for them. The Old Testament, we find the high priest even, when he all went in uh, once a year, had to offer a sin offering for himself before he offered it for others. And yet, what do we find about Christ? Amazingly, the great high priest, therefore I will allot him a portion with the great and he will divide uh, the booty with the strong because he poured himself out to death. That's his sacrifice on the cross. And then we see him as the great high priest and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many. He bore the sin of many. He was a sacrifice and he intercedes for the transgressors. And here we see him as the high priest. He intercedes for the transgression. Christ was the sacrifice. He didn't offer a sacrifice. He was the sacrifice. Amazing. It's just amazing. Amazing love. How can it be? In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14, and I read this yesterday, every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, but he having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sacrificed. See, he was the sacrifice. And it was the only sacrifice that took away sin. And he sacrificed himself. He did not offer a sacrifice. He himself was a sacrifice. 
It's interesting, back with Abraham, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Think about it. What a God, what a loving God. You know, Jesus practiced what he preached. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's what we should be doing. We need to learn from this. And yet so often, all we want is revenge. It's about this little boy who was spanked for his mother. He was a very bad kid and she gave him a spanking. And, and uh, all that day, he, all he could think about was getting back at her. Revenge to his mother. And we might think, that's a terrible thing. I'm sure I did that. But uh, uh, so comes time for prayer time and so he's kneeling there by his bed and he starts praying and he says, Lord, bless Daddy and bless Sister uh, Mary and, and, you know, and he goes through all this liturgy and he gets through it and he climbs up in the bed and he says, I guess you know, Mom, I didn't uh, pray for you. How sad that is, isn't it? And yet that's how sometimes we think about others who have hurt us. I'm not going to pray for you. You hurt me. And all we want is revenge. We want to see something happen to them because they deserve to be punished. That's not Jesus. Do you see it? Just amazing love. Stephen did this. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. And Paul was there, Saul, Paul was there. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. You know what? He was following Jesus' example. Having said this, he fell asleep. Happened to Paul himself. 2 Timothy 4.16 At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. That should be our heart as well. Also, we see from this, I think, that we should never give up praying for the impossible cases. Never give up praying for impossible cases. Jesus was praying for those who were mocking Him, were cursing Him, were screaming and yelling vile things. And yet many of those came to know Him. There's no one who is beyond the reach of prayer. No one. Then thirdly we see the one to whom the prayer was addressed. Father, Jesus says, Father. Jesus had confidence in his Father as he lived his his life here on earth. What did he pray at the grave of Lazarus in, in, in John 11? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. Do we pray to God that way, knowing that he always hears us? Because he does. But because of the people standing around, I said said that so that they may believe that you sent me. He knew that the Father heard him. And we need to realize that God hears us. Even when things seem so dark, they seem hopeless, they think, we think we've been abandoned, He hears us when we cry to Him. That's His promise. 
What do you do when things get bad? When you begin to hurt? When you begin to, to agonize? Sadly to say, many times, I don't pray. And I'm saying that as a pastor. Sometimes I feel sorry for myself, and I'll say, why me? Lord, why did you, why did you allow me to go uh, through this? But we need to see that we can have confidence in God as our Father and we can come to Him. Someone said, when life knocks us to our knees, we are in a perfect position to pray. Isn't that good? (laughs) When life knocks us to our knees, we're in a position of prayer. A hymn writer wrote this, As though God is speaking, he says, When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, for I will be with thee, thy trials to bless, and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. And I think that says so much. You know, no no matter what we're going through, no matter how rough it gets, let's remember Psalm 23, when it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do we believe that? Do we pray that? Fourthly, the request in the prayer. He says, forgive them. Forgive them. And this has two ideas in it. The first uh, meaning is to send away, to let it go, uh, released from sudden judgment. We find in Luke 13, this is the parable of the fig tree, it says, and he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even uh, uh, use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until uh, I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. We have in here the word forgiveness, which is give it more time. Don't bring judgment suddenly. And this is what Jesus was praying. Forgive them for they know not. In other words, God, don't bring 10,000 angels. You know what? He could have called 10,000 angels. And you know what? I believe those angels were sitting on ready. I would have been to come and just crush all of those who were mocking him and laughing at him. The Son of God. And they would have come to his aid. And you know what? He would have only taken one. Amen. <laughs> and yet, he died there. He stayed on the cross for you and me. He could have come down. That was the temptation. If you're the Son of God, and he was, come down from here, he could have. But he didn't. He stayed there to die for you and me. What love. 
What love. I hope this whole week as, you, as we lead up to Easter, you'll be thinking about that all week. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow. He could have called down fire from heaven, hailstones as in Sodom and Gomorrah. Could have opened up the earth and swallowed them all up, but he didn't. Wow. That's the first idea in this. What reason did he give for praying this? They do not know what they are doing. They did not know how great their crime really was. They were blinded by sin. That was the problem. They were blinded by sin. In Acts chapter 3, we find, But you disown the holy and righteous one and ask for a murderer to be granted to you. This is uh, Peter as he speaks to these uh, men of Israel. But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as you rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Yes, they were blind. They were ignorant. They should have known, should they have not, that this was their Messiah. But they did not recognize him. But you know what? Ignorance is not an excuse. Ignorance is not an excuse. They were guilty for what they had done. And they needed to be forgiven. He was praying for the forgiveness of their sins. You see, sin has to be paid for. When he said, forgive them for they know not what they do, he was not saying that, don't, in other words, they're not, they're, they're not guilty of this and therefore just forget about it. No. Sin had to be paid for. And that's what he was, fixed, he, that he was going to do here. He was going to die for their sins. Forgive them for they know not what they do. In, John, in John's... Uh, uh, That's the next verse I'll just skip. And it says, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through the word. He was praying for those who would believe on him through his word. In other words, not forgiveness as at the expense of justice. Why? Sin has to be paid for. So it's not like just forget this, don't worry about it, let it go. No, he was about to die for them. He was, he was praying that their debt be marked paid for all those who would come to believe in him. This is what he was praying. He was, to, he was their substitute. He paid for their sins. He bought them. He redeemed them. He suffered the wrath that they deserved. And because of that, what? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. This is what He did. This is why He came. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Not only this, 
but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received the reconciliation. We have been reconciled to God. We have been brought to Him. We've been paid for. We're now His child. Uh, Our sins have been paid for. His wrath is no longer against us. Think of that. This is what He was doing on the cross when we deserve that very wrath. And then the answer to the prayer, lastly. Was this prayer of Jesus answered? Yes, it was. Very, very definitely so. And you know what? It was delayed. It was delayed because the destruction of Jerusalem, and I think this is what he was referring to when he says the, uh, the mountains falling on him, on them and so forth. And we can get into that discussion, but I think it didn't happen until 70 A.D., and you know what? For a, for a Jewish woman to have a child was the greatest blessing you could have. And yet Jesus is saying here that woe to those who are with child. Because you can't even imagine the destruction that came on Jerusalem and what those people went through. They, well, some, some of it's so graphic, I, it, it's really hard to talk about. And I could, but it really... Paints bad images of what went on. But you know what? Uh, It was delayed. It was delayed. When was Jesus' prayer here, forgive them, for they know not what they do? When was this first answered? I think the, the, uh, the thief on the cross when he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. We also find the centurion that was standing there. When the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. We also see in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, thousands and thousands of people have come to Christ because of this prayer, forgive them they know not what they do. Even we ourselves are that way. You know, even the Jewish priests, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. The very ones who were mocking him, the very ones who were shaking their fists at him, that hated him, he died for his enemies. And he saves them. Now, that's love. I don't care how you slice it. That's unconditional, unconditional love to save such people as that. Very interesting story. I I discovered this when I was uh, preparing this message. And I couldn't believe it when I read it. Has anyone here, and I will close with this, has anyone here, I think I told this to Jermaine so she can't answer this, Captain Mitsuo Fuchida. 
Japanese, right? Matsuo Fuchida. Has anybody ever heard of that? He is the captain who led the first wave at Pearl Harbor and the bombing of Pearl Harbor. The captain, the one who coordinated the whole thing. But that story does not end there. Why do I say that? Because this man came to know Christ at the end of the war. And you know what verse that brought him to Christ? was this very one, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he said, that was me. I did not know what I was doing. And God used that to open his heart and his life to who he really is. And he came over to this country. Look him up. He's on the internet. One of those people you can look up on Google. He came over to this country as a missionary and and witness to the Japanese in this country. You see what God can do? He changes lives. And not only that, He will have mercy on people that we would never have mercy on. I would have never forgiven a man who bombed and killed thousands of people. I'd have never done that. But Jesus had mercy on the thief on the cross. And He had mercy on this man as well. You know what? He had mercy on me. And I'm no better. I'm no better. I am a sinner just like they are. And I need Jesus. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father, as we just think about Your great grace, and as You were hanging on the cross, Lord, You prayed... Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Lord, may we have that same compassion to those whom we might consider to be our enemies, those who are hard to love, those who hurt us, who bring us pain. Lord, may we, each one of us in our own hearts right now, confess to you if if we're having trouble forgiving someone for what they have done to us. You're, you're the great God, the, the, our Creator. And Lord, if we confess our sins, You're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, what a great and loving God You are. Help us this week as we focus on what You did for us on the cross. May we be renewed and strengthened uh, in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.